Hi, I'm Kristen, a knitwear designer, mindset coach, and style guide at We All Knit Here Designs and KristenMagdalene.com. And I'm Rachel from Stain and Reverie, a full-service print design studio and a former costume designer for film and television. In our weekly podcast and video series, we want to help you launch and grow your own fashion, accessory, or beauty business so you can feel confident, powerful, and prosperous knowing that we have your back. Your dream is possible. It doesn't matter if you went to fashion school, if you've been a stay-at-home mom the past few years, or if you're still stuck in an office. All you really need is your vision and a desire to succeed. Yes, there's work involved, but with our experience in fashion and entertainment, in corporate, small business, styling, and more, we will help guide you on the path with ease. If you are a fab entrepreneur, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Fab Entrepreneurs. Today we're going to be discussing how important it is that you find your ideal customer and that you mainly know who your ideal customer is so that you can find them. This topic kind of came around from um, our episode two weeks ago where we were discussing the evolution of our businesses and how it can be really tricky to start a business just generally, and especially if you don't know who your idol client is, it can definitely stop you from getting your business off the ground. Yes, and not only that, but finding your ideal client, I mean, it really doesn't matter how great the product is, how great your marketing is, how great anything is, if you don't have a client base, if you're not serving people, then you're not really doing anything. Exactly, at the end of the day, you have to sell your product to people people make your business. Yes, absolutely. So this is one of the things that I think is super easy to skip over, or at least for me, it's easy to skip over because I kind of have a general idea of my ideal client in my head. But if you do any sort of business class, any sort of branding class, you know, the first thing they do is take you through a very exhaustive look at Mm -hmm. who your ideal client is. Yeah, I think you have to, and certainly we have with our most recent businesses, you have to really think about your ideal client every step of the way when you start your business, from your branding to the way that you present yourself, also how you talk and your copy on your website. Everything has to be very, I mean, yeah, of course you should keep it you know, fun and free, but everything really needs to be tailored towards talking to that person because there's so many competitors and choices out there that you really have to stand out and you really have to get your point across to them and and make them feel like you're the one they should go for. Right. And so let's talk about a little bit about like figuring out who your ideal client is, because if you I mean, this is, I mean, this is just common sense, which is part of the reason that I kind of skip over it a little bit. Um, But like, you know, you don't just make, for example, a shirt, you know, you make a certain type of shirt that has a certain type of design, a certain type of look that's worn by a certain type of person who Mm -hmm. goes to certain types of places. 
and like you can get very very detailed and so to sit there and go oh well my ideal client would wear this to the farmer's market like that's yes you did did just get more specific but Mm -hmm. that's still not specific enough yeah I think when when we were talking about it before I was saying that it was really the the make or break it in my businesses whether I knew who I was talking to and also it discouraged me at times because I my ideal client wasn't someone that I knew personally they weren't my family they weren't my friends and so if you are you know a, a, a newer entrepreneur you might be quite affected by what people around you are saying and it might really put you off if people are saying that it's too expensive or that it's just not interesting or what's the point in it and I think you really have to kind of block out those voices in your head or around you or wherever they're coming from and try and be really logical about it. And I think if I had done this when I started a bridal business or I was a, trying to start a bridal business, that it really, it, it could have succeeded if I hadn't worried so much about the people around me and not knowing my ideal client customer. So the difference when I started uh, staying in Reverie, as my, you might, may or may not know, I'm a textile designer and my business is a full service textile design studio. I, I had a very specific business model and type of business client that I wanted to work with. I had actual brands that were on my list. I think one of the first thing I did was uh, write the top 100 brands that I wanted to work with. And I think that really, really helped that exercise because it makes you think about, well, what kind of people work for that company? And this is if you're B2B. Obviously, if you're B2C, you can't write a list of people that you want to sell your product to. <laughs> but um, for me, it was, it was like a really good exercise just to start off with to see who, who I wanted to work with and, and what would appeal to them. Yeah, actually, so because I do mostly work with clients what what i did was i looked at who is this person that's going to buy my sweaters my knitwear patterns and like i got very specific i was like she's a 34 year old mother or soon to be mother and she works in a corporate office but she works in creative fields Um, even though she is corporate and she probably has curly hair and she just wants to like be free and she loves going out to lunch with all of her friends and she hits up happy hours but she still has a really exciting home life and she does try and get home to spend time with her family because she loves them so much and family is really important to her and not only that but you know she loves clothing and she's actually really part of she's actually environmentally conscious and she um she researches her brands and her stores and she tries to make the best decisions that she can for herself and her family and you know you probably know that woman or you know someone you know you can picture her and that is what I did and that is who I sell to and you know, a lot of the people, I, I do get, of course, a wide range of, of ages um, and, and sometimes even genders, but, you know, I do actually get a lot of women who are kind of like that. And, and that's, I talk to them. That's who I talk to. That's my client. 
That's really specific, Kristen. <laughs> it's very specific because, because when I write my newsletters, when I write my product descriptions, when I, you know, I have, I do videos for all of this. If I was talking to every single person who buys my patterns, I would have nothing to say, nothing specific to say, because the reality is, is that I do have a lot of women in their 50s and 60s who knit my patterns. I do get students who knit my patterns. I do get men who knit my patterns. I get a variety of people, of course. Um, and if I sit here and go, okay, I have students, I have grandmothers, I have mothers. What can I say to all three of those people to sound great? you're going to end up with something super generic, that something that's washed out, something yeah. that none of them are going to care about. Yeah. <laughs> and all three, so yeah, all three of those groups are going to be like, wow, she's so boring. I'm going to go find something else to do. <laughs> it's really interesting to me how many different ways there are of thinking about your client and customer. And a, a point just occurred to me as you were talking, it's, it's not just about your product and your service and, and the kind of person that would be interested. It's the kind of people that you want to work with as well. Mm -hmm. You can create your product or your service around your ideal client. It doesn't have to be, you know, it's the chicken or the egg. You, you don't have to create your product and then find your customer. You can, you can say to yourself, I want to work with these types of um, people or I want to sell to this type of person and then build your brand around that idea. So for example, I knew that I wanted to create really beautiful, striking designs and that also that I was going into an industry that was very saturated and been going for a long time. And I, I was kind of having the conundrum of, well, what am I actually bringing new to this market? You know, it's been going for so long. There are so many great studios out there. Like, what is the point in me kind of like, what can I add to the, you know, the arena? And I thought, well, a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing out there is very boring or it's very low quality. And I want to create beautiful, really intense and striking designs, not just quick, fast fashion designs. And so I have built my brand all around the idea that this, that what I'm doing is young, fresh, very creative, very beautiful and something different. And that's what I like to do. So it's kind of like, you know, what's the expression? Killing a bird with two stones. I, I'm terrible with these phrases. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, if, if you want to work in a certain way, then create your brand around that. Find the people who are going to want that. Yeah. So it's, it's kill, kill, um, Oh God, no. Kill two birds with one stone. Yes, thank you. Kill two birds with one stone. See, when um, you start thinking about it, it gets really confusing. <laughs> um, but no, that's very true because listen, people buy things all the time. And you if you want to create something that they're already gonna buy, that they're already looking for, like definitely go for it. And and you know, if you're creating clothing or handbags or skincare products, like people are going to buy that anyway. So who do you want? Who are you catering to? I always, I always tell, um, cause when I talk to people in person and again, my prices come up, they're always like, well, I don't know, like who would pay for that. And I'm like, 
well, I'm going to go after people that pay for that. You know, I'm not going to go after the people who are looking for a bargain because I just, that's not, you know, they're not my ideal client. And I don't want to create that cheap product. You know, this is something that I'm putting myself into and I want it to be the best it can be. Definitely. And even, you know, just aside from the fact that they're obviously, they don't see the value in what you're doing. They also probably don't understand the business behind it. I mean, if they are comparing something that's handmade to something from a big box store, you know, you just can't compare those two things and you would not make any money if you sold at the same price as Old Navy or Walmart. And so these are the things that they have in mind is that, that your customer is going to think, well, I can get that for cheaper at Walmart. That isn't your idle customer. <laughs> well, and you know, and I think this is the other thing too, is when I, so right now I'm working on this new venture and more details will come out as it continues to unfold. But as I'm looking at, I was going to say ingredients, but as I'm looking at materials, mm -hmm. um, you know, I do have an option to go cheaper and I don't want to, I'm choosing to go more expensive because I want my products to be luxurious and nice. And I will get less people who will pay that price point, but that doesn't matter because the price is higher. So yes. I'm still either going to make the same or more, you know? Yeah. It's basic economics really. Right. What what I think is really important is that you, you don't just stop here. So you make a decision that you want to have a high-end product and you're going to find people who A, have the money, B, care to spend it on you know, high-value products, but you really have to highlight the value that you are giving. What is it about your product that makes it worth that money? You know, Like you're saying, you're going to use better, better materials, maybe a more um, eco-conscious uh, mm -hmm manufacturing solution right you you can't just make these decisions and then incorporate them into the pricing and then not say anything about it you have to use that in your branding you have to talk about it on your social media it has to be very obvious on your website that this is what you're doing and so I think that's one of the most important takeaways really for me in this conversation so far is basically <laughs> like, don't just have this you know dialogue inside your monologue inside your head tell your customer well and not only that so once you have you know the general makeup of who your ideal client is and I took a bunch of acting classes so that actually comes really easy for me to put mm -hmm. together a whole person because it's just easier that way so I have this whole person here and so you know on that note what does she care about does she care you know my person cares about looking stylish and about the environment and about you know creating some sort of stress release for herself which is where the knitting comes in but if my ideal client is like a stressed out tired mom of four you know i'm not going to tell her oh this yarn comes from peru <laughs> and yeah. you know like that's not what she cares about she cares about her, the price point she cares about, is this going to make her life easier? Is she going to get more sleep? Is she going to get better sleep? Is she going to be able to do, spend more time with her kids? You know, mm -hmm. she has a different pain point than the woman who I painted, I painted this rosy picture of you earlier. They're, those are two totally different 
women and care about different things. So once you have like your general ideal client, like what is, what is she looking for in her life? And that is how like you addressing that is how you're going to sell to her. That's really interesting. I love that you use the phrase pain point. Can you just give like a, a quick broad definition of pain point in terms of business? Yeah. So the way I'm using it, the way I would define pain point is everyone has something in their lives that I don't, you know, that they want to improve. When Mm -hmm. you buy something, you are, whenever you do something, you know, you are doing it with the hopes of improving your life. You know, even if it's as simple as like, I bought dinner because I was hungry, you know, and I bought, you know, this specific dinner because I really, like it was delicious or because it was on the dollar menu or because it was fast. You know what I'm saying? Like you, everyone gets hungry, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but, but what is your pain point associated that? Are you like really hungry and you want something delicious? Are you, you know, just eating because you're, you have to, in order to get energy before you run off to something else? Those, those are two different meals. You know, are you eating, you know, so, so what does your client, what is your client looking to solve and how will your product solve that problem? Yeah, I think it's a great exercise. And when I was thinking about um, the the corporate clients that I wanted to work with, I was I definitely thought, you know, and it should have been at the forefront of my mind, but I have to say it was at the back of my mind. What is it that this client is going to want that I can give? And so I knew that speed would be important, that they would want a quick turnaround. And I knew that that was something I'm very good at is working under pressure, tight deadlines. And also not have for them not having to explain over explain things because I had industry knowledge and that they wouldn't have to, you know, kind of like hold my hand through it. I would take control and be independent. And so those were like two things that I really focused on and made sure that whenever I sent out an email with my um my quotation in, that I, you know, emphasized the fact that I had a, you know, 24 hour turnaround and that I was also, I also offered a money back guarantee or rather a, I would invoice you until you're happy just because I was so confident that they would be happy. And please don't do this if you're not confident in your work yet. Um, but I was, and it's worked out really well for me so far. That's so funny. I love that you said that because yes, that is definitely addressing different pain points because on everything that I send out, it says no refunds. <laughs> yes, no, completely. And maybe I'll, you know, learn down the road not to do that when I have my first like huge <laughs> issue with it. But so far I, and also I know that I'm going to keep working on something until the client is happy because that's just what I want my business. I want to provide a beautiful, beautiful design for you. And if you don't think it's beautiful, then like, I don't want to take your money because I'm not I'm not offering a cheap service I'm offering a designer like top-end service and so I have to give that to you for me to feel comfortable with my business well and I think that's part of the reason that I feel comfortable not offering refunds because Mm -hmm. I do feel very confident in my product in my materials and in my customer service Mm -hmm. and 
I know you're going to be happy and you better know you're going to be happy before you drop a huge chunk of change. I mean, if not, you know, I mean, you don't have to, I guess, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know that this is going to, like, everyone's going to be happy because mm-hmm. I do know that this is a luxury product that I'm offering. Yeah. I think that's also, it's very interesting to look at the differences between product and service because I do both. I can see that, you know, that there is a difference between when you're giving someone something, they see it before they purchase it. Yeah. Not necessarily if it's an online, online purchase, but they can still see the product. They know what they're getting. Whereas when they buy a service from you, they don't know how great you are necessarily. Um, until they work with you. And I'm so confident that they'll be thrilled when they work with me that I know if I can just get them on my roster that they will be pleased. Right. Yes. Overconfidence. Hashtag overconfidence. (laughs) But I think that that goes back to knowing who your client is because Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, I'm not going to sell to just anybody mm-hmm. if you come up to me and you're like oh I don't know where I'm gonna wear this I don't know if I'm gonna have the time for this I don't know if I have the money for it I'm not gonna push the sell I'm gonna be like oh well maybe this isn't right for you because yeah. I don't want an unhappy client and I don't you know if they're not my ideal client like that's how I that's why I know who my ideal client is is because I am creating this product for them. And if they're not happy, then I'm not happy and I don't have a business, you know? Yeah, totally. Okay. So once you have this information, once you have like sat down, whether you're working with, you know, clients, whether you're working like, you know, people or whether you're working with companies, like once you've kind of figured out who you want to work with, you know, whether that's you know, someone young or someone middle-aged or someone older or, and that's just ages, you know, like I said, like you remember my very complete profile. (laughs) Once you figured out who you want to talk to, then you have to find them. And sometimes this is easy and sometimes this is hard. I feel like it's really easy if your ideal client is like a mom because they hang out in mom groups. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like there's like, but then I I think there are, there are like go-to places. If you're looking for very corporate clients, go to LinkedIn. Hmm. If you're looking for, you know, social customers, go to Facebook. If, like you said, if you're looking for moms, then go to mom groups. I think it is easy to find like a broad group of people it's when you're trying to find that specific type of person and so the the ways you can do that I think the most important way is your copy and your wording who who you're talking to right because when you have this person in your head then all of your copy on your homepage, on your sales page, on your about me page even should be about them because you're talking to them this isn't like even your about me page is not about you. If it is, you should rewrite it. <laughs> That's really good advice. That is like, that is really good. I need to rewrite my about me page, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because yeah, they want to know about you, but like they also want to know about you and how you're going to help them, you know? So everything should go back to them. You're always on point with this stuff. So <laughs> preach it. No, yeah, I um I actually find a lot of my ideal clients on Instagram because 
you know, I, so I predominantly am a knitwear designer and I belong to a lot of knitting groups on Facebook. I even have one on Facebook, but you know, my ideal clients don't hang out there. They hang out on Instagram. And so the use of hashtags is really helpful. And mm. I have even found what really, really, really helps me is I find someone who has a similar style to me. She doesn't have to be, or he, he or she doesn't have to be a designer. Um, sometimes it's just like a page that reposts pictures. Sometimes it's just a knitter who has a similar style, but then like, look at who they're hanging out with, who's following them, who is, who are they following? Who's interacting with them? How do they talk? How do they, you know what I'm saying? Like, what are they saying in their captions, in their comments, in everything that's going on? Because what they're talking about is important to you. And at least if they are your actual ideal client, what they're saying is important to you. If you're looking at it and you're like, she should be my ideal client, but she's talking about this and I don't care about that. Well, I have news for you <laughs> that is either not your ideal client or you're doing something wrong in your products. Um, they help guide you. And I actually um, use a lot of people uh, on Instagram to look at trends way more than I look at like what the magazines are saying, because again, those aren't my ideal clients. Um, I do love magazines and I will always look through them for inspiration but really what I'm looking at is Instagram and what people are knitting and making and talking about mm -hmm. I think it's really poignant what you're saying about hashtags and I mean that's the worst sentence ever like hashtags are not poignant I'm quite tired but <laughs> when when you think about it we have so many tools and resources available to us like you really can find your ideal client it is so doable Right. And you, you know, just, just by like using the correct hashtags, you've got like such a higher chance of, of reaching the right people. So why the hell would you not use them? You have to find the right ones for your, you have to do so much research. And I know it can be a little overwhelming, but it will be so worth it. Um, the, the people that find me from my hashtags, they would, they would not be my clients if they had not, you know, seen my post and they would not have seen that post if I hadn't used the hashtags that they are interested in. Right. And this is all just what you can do on social media. And I think that's the other thing is like, we want to put stuff up on the internet and like, you know, again, be that overnight success and go viral, but mm -hmm. actually it takes a lot of work. To get consistency yes consistency and you do have to do so just as much research as you put into your ideal client then you have to put into the research to finding them but the good news is is that you know kind of once you do this work yes while you do still grow and change uh you know you've done it and and you can then move on but yeah this is this this is very time consuming which is also sometimes why i skip it but it, it, there's really like when i skip it it's very noticeable and suddenly i'm like oh why isn't anyone paying attention to me <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah so once you've sort of done all of this once you've researched your ideal client once you've researched where they are once you've researched all of this stuff it's really really easy to 
find them and it's really easy to sell to them. I think I see a lot of people who, who say, oh, I don't know what to write about in my newsletter. I don't really know what's working. How do I know what to do? And if you know who your ideal client is, you don't really have those questions anymore. It's suddenly very easy to know what to say to them, where to post it, how many times you should be posting, because you can see them. You know, are they online all day posting 50 pictures like some people, or are they online once or twice a week? You know what I mean? Like, but if they aren't online, where are they? I mean, maybe, I think a lot of, it's so funny how a lot of introverts start their own business, but like mm -hmm. you need to get out of your shell and go find them if they are at events around town. You would be surprised how many more people will become your client just because they have met you and talked to you. Yes. It goes back to that know, like, and trust factor that Rachel always talks about. It's so, so, so true. Yeah, that and consistency. I think people trust you when they've seen you a few times and they, you know, they've heard you talk and you do. I mean, when just a random example, I'm selling some furniture pieces on the Facebook marketplace right now and to take into consideration that these people have never met me, like everyone's quite kind of aloof at first. And then you you start to like have like you know maybe five exchanges and then suddenly you feel like you can totally trust these people to come into your house so it really is a question of just like you have to put in the effort and you have to be consistent and you have to talk to people for them to trust you right and so let's kind of look at now like what happens if it's not working like what if people aren't coming to you or if the wrong people are coming to you or anything like that, because that definitely happens. I had that happen. I first, um, several years ago, and I actually, it kind of is still a hangover problem and I'm not really sure what to do about it, but I have a knitting group on Facebook and I mostly, I love everyone in it and it start. but the problem is, is that it started with, um, it was like an extension of my knitting courses. So like you tell me your problem and I'll tell you how to solve it. And the problem with this is that I attracted people who were not my ideal client. And in mm -hmm. fact, I attracted people who just wanted free help and mm -hmm. they're not interested in my work. They're not interested in my designs. In fact, they're not interested in anything I have to do. They just wanted the free help. And a lot of the people in it are really, really great, which is why I'm not totally sure what to do about it because I don't want to, I don't want to close the group just because of that. But at the same time, it's not serving me and I'm not serving them at this point because I'm not even doing my classes anymore. Like I stopped, you know, knitting classes several years ago. <laughs> right. But then you may write a book, Knitting for Beginners. So... Well, at this point, that seems unlikely, <laughs> but maybe, I mean, and that's the whole point. The whole reason we have this, um, we have, we have groups and we have pages is to reach people. And so if you're reaching the wrong people, there's really two things. First of all, yeah, if you're not reaching the right people, you should look at what you're offering. And so I was offering free knitting help. And so of course they wouldn't necessarily be interested in my designs because that's something different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I had to really look at what I was offering. And even though I love 
giving help and I do love giving courses and I it's something that I want to incorporate in the future I maybe shouldn't be doing that right now because you know I'm not getting any I'm not attracting my clients and then another thing I would look at so in addition to looking at your offerings look at your marketing how are you mar if you're marketing yourself if your client for example is a high-end luxury client does your copy, does your flyer, does your advertisement, however you're marketing, does it say like, oh, buy now for 20% off plus free shipping? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to attract someone very different. They're going to, that's yeah. going to attract someone who's looking for a bargain. Yeah. You really have to think about your ideal client every step of the way, every decision that you make. And like I said, keep it lighthearted, but things like offering a sale or not, like, do you want to attract more people who are looking for something cheap or are you looking for people to have fewer clients who are at a higher price point? So think things like that, you really need to think about who you're selling to all the time. Right. Because really, again, I think I said this at the beginning of the episode, you're in business because of your clients. You're not in business because of what you make. Mm -hmm. Very true. You, everything you do is about the client, is about the person, is about the company, everything. And so if you don't like the person in front of you that you're selling to, you need to look at what you're doing to, and, and you need to change something. I think this episode has been very informative. I have definitely got several things I'm going to go look at myself. <laughs> um, and I think we should also write up um, some of the exercises that we've discussed today and yeah. post those. So we'll be posting that on our social media, Facebook, Instagram. We have a uh, Facebook group now. Yes. So if you'd like to join our little community, we welcome you to please do come into the community, come into the Facebook group, tell us who your ideal client is. I want to yes. hear, and I want to hear too, if you're as detailed as I am, or if you're more like Rachel and you have like several, like very specific bullet points. I think it's so fascinating. Well, I actually have two. I started out with two. I wanted to sell to um, entrepreneurs like myself who were starting fashion brands, but I also wanted to sell to my ideal clients as in like dreamy clients, like Topshop um, and Zara. So I had to really kind of like stay quite broad with all of my marketing and copy and everything so that I can see which of those clients that I want to work with. And I'm still in that process of working with both clients and seeing the pros and cons of working with different ones and whether it is feasible to continue on with two very diverse sets of people. Yeah, I almost think, and, and of course, this is your choice, but like for me, whenever I even just have like a little fracture of that's something different, I create a whole new site because I'm like, no, this is a different client. This is someone who is going to be looking for something different. And so like you can do A-B testing, of course, with everything from emails to copy to flyers to market to all, all of your marketing needs. Um, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, half the time, um, I, I just create a new website. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening guys. And like we said, please do comment and tell us who your ideal client is or isn't and what you have done to reach those people. Or if you have any questions, 
um, about how we have done it in our businesses. Yes, definitely come in and share what you what your takeaways were from this episode and we will see you next week. All right, bye guys. Bye. Thank you.